0: More snaps. Go. Welcome back to, welcome back to, from a week ago, welcome to this week's edition of the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave and Katie here to talk shop with you uh, about, of course, true wealth, because money's just how you trade your time.
1: But true wealth. Is the moments that it buys? <laughs> no, that's not exactly how it goes, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we just right out of the gate. I yeah, love it. it.
1: There's some truth to it, yeah. Right? Well, you, you know, know
0: relationships and memories. I always, say it's the stuff that really matters, right? Um,
1: but money helps those things. Because well, it helps create some of those memories sometimes. <laughs> I have said this
0: before. Then people are like, that sounds wrong. When you say money is like lubrication, right? It just makes things move easier. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think it's the word lubrication exactly. that everybody it's stops like, listening and goes into like, somewhere oh, else.
0: Okay, never mind. <laughs> money is, well, it, it, it really enables a lot of things. Maybe we could borrow a term from chemistry. It's the activation energy. It is. Right? So, and if you don't know what that means, you know, activation energy is interesting where you could have, uh, you you have a reaction that will take place, but in order to get it started, it requires energy to make it go. And like striking a match is an example, okay? When you strike the match, the friction is the activation energy that then triggers the the head of the match, the phosphorus to, to ignite. It's... It wants to ignite, but it needs enough energy to get the reaction started. Otherwise, it's stable until it receives that much energy. Right. And so money is kind of like that in a lot of respects. I hear a lot of people that uh, it's, it's funny. Folks that have a lot of wealth, I believe, really do view money in a different way than folks where they, they have very little money.
1: They do. The, right. I, I would agree with that.
0: Yeah, we talk about the relationship that you have with your money and how that relationship, it changes the way you make decisions. Well,
1: interestingly enough, I think both ends of the spectrum are a little disconnected with, with money in different ways. Sure. You know, like it just doesn't um, it doesn't walk and talk the same versus somebody that's more, let's say, like middle class, right? In the middle of the road, they they understand how hard they have to work for it and I think value it a little more, maybe.
0: Well, they value it different. Right. That's De- definitely different. It's And when you say they value it more, I think what it is, is it takes a, a higher priority uh, and a higher level of importance because it's scarcer. Right. And so when something is scarce, it's more prized.
1: Right. Like, but see, like, I think if you have, you know, if you have a large abundance, let's say over a few million dollars, maybe over $10 million. Okay. Right. Then at some point, I think you kind of lose touch with some of the little things that bring joy. But yet, like if you have no money, like if you're living in poverty.
0: Well, there's some great studies about that, too. It's different, too. uh, When they say money can't buy happiness. Not true. (laughs) Not actually true. It can Uh, help
1: a lot, though. (laughs) There are
0: are a lot of things that uh, money can't buy. Right. That's true. Money can't buy a lot of things. Uh, but when you say it can't buy happiness, at least statistically, that's not the case.
1: I would say money can't buy you a better attitude. Cause I think sometimes like people, you know, like if you're naturally grumpy, well, you'll still be grumpy, even with money. <laughs> like it's, it's not going to buy you a better attitude per se. So
0: here's, here's what research will tell you about money is when you have none, you are at a level on so there's you know Maslow's hierarchy. So Maslow's right. uh, like Ooh, sociologist that says how you know we ha, yeah what's the order of operations for people and how they in order to well. I'm, I'm overcomplicating, but basically, there's a, there is a, a sequence of, of needs that people need met in order for them to move on to higher aspirations. Okay? Right. And so, so some of its basic the stuff, basic food, stuff shelter, is like clothing. Yeah. Food and shelter and safety right. are sort of the lowest part of the pyramid. That's the base. You're like, you can't move any higher if you can't get there. Right. And then it becomes stability and then it becomes aspirational above that, where you start to you know, do things that are more uh, fulfilling and and about self as as you get more and more resources underneath you. And so I think a lot of folks in our society today uh, have the perception that they're trapped at the very bottom of the pyramid.
1: I think some people are even unaware that they're trapped there. Like it's, well, it's and not... I'm
0: I'm cautious about this because we've pointed out on the show before, uh, you know, like Katie, you've done mission work in Central America, right? Okay, and if I were to ask the question on the spectrum of poor, what oh. does it, what does it look like to be poor in America versus poor in Central America?
1: But, well, poor in America, there's a lot more resources, right? And working yes. as a foster parent, um, I have seen some of the children. In foster care, their parents, as they are trying to um, work to getting their children back, you know, they will get assistance, whether it's for food or for housing or different things, right? Like our housing still has running plumbing, Um, little things that we take advantage of or, you know, don't realize or for granted, right? Like, um, yeah, going down into certain um, subsidies down in Mexico, per se, you know, where it's an outhouse, like literally and right. our and you that also, is your uh, infrastructure I, <laughs> for toiletry.
0: <laughs> I was speaking to somebody today about the uh, even the the term of homelessness, and I don't want to turn this into that kind of program today, but how there are a lot of folks that that is categorically how they're described as homeless for whatever reason, whether it be by choice or drug usage or circumstance or whatever it may be. And so, I'm not trying to make commentary on um, about you know, the, the human condition right now. That's not the point. But that these folks still had smartphones. Yeah. Right, you know, yeah. and, and so you think about that, and you go, well, that's interesting that these are anywhere from 500 to $1,000 devices that these people are carrying around in many cases, and this is considered the poor. And, and, and you know, it, it's...
1: Technology has <sighs> interwoven itself Interestingly, because um, it was the same thing even down there, right? So we don't have running water, but everybody has a cell phone.
0: And you know, or the, we don't the, have an
1: indoor kitchen, but everybody has a cell phone.
0: This is the part that is tricky, though, is what I, what I say is some people, you know, poor versus poor, right? It's It's a matter of perspective. I've known some folks that really aren't at the base level of the... Hierarchy, you know, they're they're somewhere in the middle of like, no, nah, we're making life work and so forth. But they would define themselves as poor and broke and not a chance. You no. Know, uh, bottom line is that th- there's a spectrum here, and when we talk about the original question, can money buy happiness? Well, it's pretty hard when you're broke to get to happy, because everything is an uphill battle. Yeah. But what happens is once you have enough that your basic needs are met uh the level of discretion you have really rapidly what we call diminishing marginal return what it means is for each additional dollar of flexibility you have it doesn't buy you a, that much more happiness you know the difference between somebody that makes thirty thousand dollars a year and somebody that makes a hundred thousand dollars a year is pretty big the difference between somebody that makes a hundred thousand dollars and two hundred thousand dollars hundred and
1: twenty, but yeah
0: is, less of a difference than the difference between going from 30 to 100. right like there's 30 a- to 100 is like okay that's pre life a hundred to 200 is like well that's still life-changing money but not as much proportionally and then going from two hundred thousand to a million like well it it doesn't it doesn't so move the needle of happiness as much it, it means doesn't, that you can and there's get other things toys that just and scale
1: right like the house yeah. may be bigger the car may be a little more expensive but a car is still a car, and you still drive the same amount of miles to earn the dollar every day. Or, right, and that's know, that's what
0: I mean is that the difference between you know oh this rich person has ten million dollars and you're like okay that's ridiculous amount of money, but do you think the person with a billion dollars is that much happier than the person with ten million? No, not really.
1: And back to my because at some point, it's just like, just
0: ridiculous excess is what it comes down to.
1: You know, and you hear you hear of multimillionaires being depressed. And so, again, it's it's your personal circumstances and it's your behavior. You know, it's it's who you are as a person. And, um, you know, we always talk about keeping up with the Joneses, right? Buying Mm -hmm. the next thing doesn't always make you. It may make you happy for a minute, but it's not going to keep you happy.
0: Yes. Happiness
1: has to come from within. You have to be happy with who you are in yourself um, in order to really experience that. But as far as money bringing joy, let me tell you, there's some experiences money has bought me that I am pretty joyful about. Well, but
0: but see, the money, what it did was it got you to a memory. It did. Right. And again, the research is really fascinating about this, that it's not the thing that brings you much joy. We're, we, people are pretty quick to adapt to stuff. You know, you get yeah. a new car and at first it's cool, but you quickly get used to having the new car and then you're off to the next new thing, hoping it will be buy you a feeling. And it's just, it it doesn't last, right? It's a very fleeting uh, endeavor to try to buy your way to happiness. It just won't stick. And in fact, uh, the folks that have a whole bunch of money oftentimes lament that there's nothing out of reach. And so things are really boring. Now, I know there's a whole bunch of people listening going, I would like to try that problem. <laughs> to which I go, understand. I'm not saying it's... I think uh, that's know. the
1: American dream is we all kind of want to reach for those yeah. stars, but...
0: But I will tell you that you know you're not going to reach fulfillment just because of money, uh, and we've said this before too. The game of more is an unwinnable game. Right, right. You can't just win the game of more. Somebody will always have more, or somebody will be trying to take your more, and so it, it changes the dynamic of how life works. But
1: so I'm going to give a different example really quick. One of the things that I will say money can buy when we talk about money buying happiness. Um, my love language uh, and there's there's a book about love languages right one of my love languages is actually gift giving which is funny because it's not one of the ways i receive love but one of my ways i show love is gift giving and there is something when you have extra income to be able to give someone who is struggling like to do something for them you know pay a bill or take care of something or buy groceries for them um that does make me feel good, but it also really boosts them up too, just to have that little bit of extra. So it's not always about the stuff, but sometimes it's about the opportunity to give. Yeah,
0: so this is a great segue into what I really want to get to talking about today. Good, I knew it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's because I think we've hit on, and this is really important, the, the, the takeaway here is that money, you know, when you're broke, it's really hard to get to happy. But the game of more, the idea that more money will always make you happier, that's not the case either. So somewhere in there is real life. And I want to talk about how we get to real life. And specifically, I want to talk about our kids, right? The kids coming in and graduating right now, we're going through all the graduation parties and so forth, and, and talking about how do we launch folks on the right foot to help get them to a spot where they're on their own feet, they're making good financial decisions, and they're avoiding some of the pitfalls that keep them from getting to the happiness area because they're just too darn broke, right?
1: Oh, I love it. So,
0: so we're going to talk about this is the foundation of something we've we've done some uh, work on this in the office. We've done some uh, actual education events, but the concept is, you know what, being broke sucks. Right. So. For all of you that know graduates out there, how can we help launch them on the right foot, and what can that mean? We're gonna dig into that. But we gotta take a break, so stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Katie you Yeah, True Wealth on News Radio twelve forty KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show in studio. My, Katie my pal, Shook. Katie. I know.
1: Your pal? Did I get called a pal my right pal, now? Oh Katie. He loves me just a little.
0: <laughs> I do. We couldn't, you know, the show would never be the same without you, Katie. I'm yeah. just
1: colorful commentary on top of your nerdiness.
0: <laughs> I, I, I am nerdy, but, you know, you always manage to bring it back to real life. And I think a lot of our listeners are probably thinking what you are, are saying, which is, okay, well, look, what does this mean to me? And so I love the fact that you always kind of ground us and you bring it back to real tangible, real-life stuff, too.
1: Thank you. I've been told I give good examples.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, you it, when you've walked a few miles in those shoes. So I am going to rely on some of you. So for those of you that don't know a lot of history, let me just tell you this about Katie. Katie is pretty clever and pretty creative, and she's also a wizard about <laughs> finding bargains. <laughs> the uh,
1: bargain hunter.
0: <laughs> I, I I mean, she's like the Indiana Jones <laughs> of bargain hunting. So uh, it, it just, like, what did you, you did what to do that? It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, dodged a boulder, there were <laughs> poison arrows, but I got it. You should have seen the coupon. It's awesome.
1: So I would said that I have to buy things on sale and find deals because I could not afford my life at full price. And I, uh, and I truly believe that, but I love my life. I love traveling and I love the opportunities that I'm able to even give to my children. Yep. And I truly believe that. Like if I was not a, uh, bargain hunter, I would not be able to afford the things. And I think people are always impressed or like, how did you do that? What did you do? And I'm like, this isn't, I mean, I'm not doing anything that's super sophisticated. I don't think. Maybe I am, but I, you yeah, know, and just, by the way, I'm not the crazy, clever. like, coupon clipping person. Like, I don't spend five hours clipping coupons, and I don't have, like, a 3 binder. No, you're binder. not an extreme
0: coupon person. I, I'm and, not that person. And, and she operates within real life and a real schedule, and I will tell you, she runs a very packed calendar. <laughs> uh, so it's, but she's just, you're just really aware, and you're right. good at this. So this is... Again, we're talking about, uh, you know, I went to a bunch of graduation parties over the weekend. I know right. Roseburg High's graduation is Saturday. Right. So here we are. We're launching this next generation of young adults off into the world right. to be uh, making their own contracts and legally starting to separate from their parents. So this is code for, hey, leave the nest and don't stay in your parents' basement. <laughs> right. Right. Uh,
1: and I'm, I'm kind of in that lane right now, too. I have a 17-year-old who's going to be a senior next year. And so I feel like the clock is ticking. Like, I have a deadline to make sure she is prepared to be yeah. a fully functioning adult by the so, time she goes on her own. So
0: here's what happens. I'm at a party, and I have somebody approach me. And I'm not going to share names or anything. But this was a parent that said, you know, honestly, I would be willing to pay you if you would sit down with my graduating senior and give them like a crash course in life and the financial system and what they need to do uh, for two reasons. One is because kids won't listen to their parents. True. (laughs) True. And the other is because they genuinely want to help give them a good launch. Right. It's like christening a ship and sending it off into the ocean. Yeah. Right. It's like, by the way,
1: when you're done paying for your kid, it is a yacht. I know.
0: So (laughs) do not break a bottle of booze on your kid. No, Uh, don't do that. You
1: might celebrate with a glass of champagne, though. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) That that, may be totally acceptable. That may
0: be okay, But but, you know, we're not going to I did not tell you to do that. I'm just saying Uh,
1: I would agree with the fact that I don't I don't think that a lot of children, always receive that information well from their parents Um, oh yeah it's,
0: it's you know it's always tough parents you know you've you've got a lifetime of nagging and so forth and so the best thing you can do as parents again me being my opinion here is try to set a really good example because what you do your kids are picking up by virtue of the illustration you provide. So try to walk the walk and show them that behavior because it's likely that there will be portions of that behavior that they will reproduce.
1: Well, and find teachable moments, right? And sometimes you have to let them stumble a little and pick themselves up so that they understand the ouchie moments, right? And little ouchie moments now are much better than big ouchie moments later, right? So,
0: so let me give you the first of how I I would like to shape the rest of what we're talking about today. Number one piece of advice that I would offer to a a soon-to-be graduate. Okay. Okay. And I want you to keep in mind that we could talk about all number of things about investing or the financial system or anything else. But what's the number one thing that I think is the most important thing that could, could save somebody from themselves? That would be do not take out a loan that is not collateralized.
1: Okay, so for our listeners, what exactly do you mean by that?
0: Okay. So in so, the first of all, let me roll this back to the Dave Ramsey world. Now Dave Ramsey will tell you no debt at all. Ever. Ever, except that he then makes a, an exception and says, "Well, you know, if you're going to get a mortgage for your house, but pay it off, you know, but do 15 years not 30 and pay it off early." Yeah. Right. So make sure you can afford it. But, you know, but instead of paying rent and taking forever to save up, you know, go ahead and buy the house. Now, why would he say that? Why does why is that not fully thrown in the face of his message of no debt?
1: Because I think sometimes that's such a large number for people that it would be it would take tens of years to ever
0: so, fully so safe. not only are you correct, you're correct on that. Well, and
1: the market generally over time moves up, so it's a it's a moving scale yeah, still, as well. I,
0: I think you're still overcomplicating. Okay. It. And so, I this is this is my fault, by the way, Katie. Everything she's saying is correct. I'm just doing a terrible job of leading the witness. <laughs>
1: then, yeah, rephrase the question yeah, for me, David. Can right. You... It's like,
0: hey, Socrates, why don't you extract this knowledge a little better? Uh, <laughs> so here's the trick
1: Socrates
0: okay yeah, you know the socratic method you already know this we just have to get it out of your head okay so the a collateralized loan you're not if it doesn't work out they just take the house right, right? and so now your credit rating is damaged in the process and so on but You have a you owe on a house. You have
1: the ability to. They take the house. That's how
0: it. That's why they require equity up front. You have a down payment so that if they have to take the house, they can recover the losses and and, move on with things. So the house is collateral. So Dave Ramsey kind of gets this because a lot of the advice that he is offering. In fact, I think the the majority, if not all, of the advice he's offering, is uh, at least the best that he can. Is is scripturally like it's biblically guided right. in the way he does this. That's part of the Dave Ramsey protocol, if you. Will. I mean, he is a he is a Christian financial um, personality. I'm gonna say I want to call him an advisor because that's not what he's, he's doing. Not he's not an a, advisor. He's a personality. Yes. And so, in this, in what he's discussing, he's saying, well, don't don't you need to be debt free, but and you want to pay off your house and be debt free there, but. The mortgage is a bit of an exception because it is something that, you know, you need a place to live anyway. You could either be paying rent or you could be paying yourself. And because it's a collateralized loan and the, the house is the collateral, if you default on the loan, you lose the house. But that was part of the deal. And that was the deal you made with the bank. Like they knew it and you knew it. You agreed to it moving into this scenario. So you deal with the consequences. But morally and ethically, you can wash your hands of it and walk away. And that was part of the deal. Right. Now, cars are a little different. I'm going to skip over that. And I'm going to go to one other example. You go out and buy yourself a brand new home stereo surround sound DVD. You're good to go, right? Now, you buy that. Over time, I got news for you. That stereo a year from now, the value is cut in half or more.
1: Right. Well, technology is advancing right. so rapidly these Th-
0: days. That does not constitute a collateralized loan.
1: Right. Like if you went and opened a credit card so, or a line of credit. Yeah. And so if so think this
0: about this thing. for a moment. If your loan does not have collateral. What is the collateral for the loan? Because nobody just makes a loan because, like, oh, well, sure, we'll give it a shot. You, What's the collateral?
1: You're the collateral.
0: Correct. You. Yeah, are my the credit score,
1: my reputation, my right. everything.
0: So you, young graduate, going out into the world, that says, "I want this thing now," so I will pay for it on a credit card, and I can't afford it, but I want it. What will you be doing to yourself? One, you will be obligating yourself to pay for that thing long after it's lost its value. Even if it is stolen or damaged, you still are responsible for paying for it. Here's the other thing, and I just would beat this into a young person's head six ways from Sunday. Okay, You can expect to pay at least twice what you paid for something if you buy it on credit.
1: That is something that I think is a very important message because... Um, as a woman, I understand when things are on sale and you're like, oh, but it's on sale right now and I can get it for a cheaper price. But again, if you're putting it on a credit card and not able to and pay that And you're making off, payments on the credit card. And you're making card. payments on the credit card. And the credit card, you know, if just, you have. So yeah, we talk about interest just figure it's rates. at least twice, twice. if not well, it's three a, or
0: four times. The, the
1: average price. credit card for beginning people with lower credit is 20 to 30 and sometimes up to 36 percent. It's really high. Right. So, I mean that's a lot of interest on this little island item that you thought you got a deal on and
0: i will tell you what if you want to go out there and try to rationalize with me how well you know i could pay it off uh you know i'm going to pay off most of it this month and the rest of it next month then why not just wait two months have the money and go pay cash for it be done right why take the risk
1: and depending on what the item is right i mean now we're talking little things home stereo Mm -hmm. and clothes or whatever but um, but even like furniture stores sometimes the, like stores now with larger purchases because they don't want to add all the credit card fees and stuff on top of it will actually give you a discount if you pay cash so they'll give you a better deal than they would give the next guy just for paying cash for the item
0: yeah so here there's some negotiation so, so, room so the this simple advice though is if you don't if, if the, your loans are all collateralized then You're in a different scenario with your loan. So that's the step. Now, I would say don't run off and get loans. In fact, if I could give the advice of don't take a loan out for anything but a a house, that's probably pretty secure advice. It's tough to fall on your face for that. Okay, So those are those really simple steps. And here's what we're doing. Okay, The Dave Ramsey message is a wonderful message, in my opinion. But what if we could have this message before the message? Tell you what. You don't need Dave Ramsey's program if you never fall in the hole
1: in the first place. Yeah, I agree.
0: Right. So teach your so kids
1: to budget. and This teach them is this to live is an investment philosophy
0: too. It's a lot easier to climb out of a hole you never fell in. <laughs> okay, I think there's some Chinese proverb or something around that. <laughs> uh, Was it in
1: your fortune cookie at lunch today? I just want to know.
0: Yeah. Well. Uh, no.
1: <laughs> He's like, "Did I have Chinese for lunch?" <laughs> I made you I, think for a second. I did not. I had Chinese
0: <laughs> yesterday. It wasn't in there either. Uh,
1: but it's no. Like I said, again, those little learnable moments, right? So there's there's these moments as they are teenagers, and if you have kids still in high school, these are the moments now when they're starting to learn about money. And if you're not teaching them about money, then you got to figure out where they're getting it from.
0: Well, and, and here's the probably the biggest problem: if you're not teaching them about money nobody else is either true okay
1: or the wrong people are teaching them about money. well
0: there's the problem and and so we got to grab a a break here right but so here's going to be the problem we'll cover when we come back if you're not teaching them there is a huge vacuum and you know nature abhors a vacuum it's going to fill it but you know what it's going to fill it with
1: ways to spend money
0: well we'll talk about it when we come right back this is david littlejohn and katie Shuck. you got true wealth on news radio 1240 in. all right gang welcome back to the true wealth show where we are talking shop today about how do we launch our Teens. upcoming graduates yeah. right here we are high school graduation time all over the country but definitely in our locale and as we are uh, getting everybody tidied up with nice little bows and sent off into the world Here's your present. Real life. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah, go uh, pay for it. <laughs> and so, you know, we're talking about what are some of the things that w- you can do as a parent or grandparent or a friend or peer and the advice that we would offer. So what's the advice that we would offer to these uh, young adults that are now heading off in and they're going to go lots of directions. Some are going to go into the workforce. Some are going to continue on with school. Uh, some are going to find themselves probably wondering what they're going to do and uh, you know please find yourself because the one thing that you're not going to get a ton of sympathy on me from me on is well I'm just not motivated to do anything so I'm going to sit on my hands and wait for somebody else to take care of me
1: yeah and by the way if you're the parent that's just letting your kids stay home all day and play video games don't be that parent (laughs)
0: yeah. <laughs> Make them go do Yeah, stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm willing society. to kind of point the finger and say, yeah, if you don't want to produce anything and you want the world to take care of you, that's a terrible attitude. Right. Right. The world does not owe you anything. That's right. a terrible attitude. And uh, yeah, you can say, oh, some old guy at the radio, blah, 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 to which I'm just going to go, look, you talk to anybody that's got a job. They're going to look at you cross-eyed if you think, oh, I didn't have to do anything. I should just get my, you know whatever yeah. from my so
1: who's giving you this get my
0: <laughs> exactly because
1: i don't want to give well, you part of my, get it's my. <laughs> a, i don't want to
0: be gaming the government uh entitlement system or something like that that's a bunch of hooey right so you know let's figure it out here but here's the other element you know work is not a four-letter word in in that sense i mean work's a really good thing i think many people think of work as a something they don't like to do and i'm going well if that's the spot you're in then maybe you need to examine what other work you want to do and figure out a plan to get to that. Cause exactly. Because I don't go to work, right? I mean, there are days that it's it's taxing to go to our office, but I don't hate my job. I don't no. hate the team. I don't hate our clients. In fact, I look forward to getting back in, and every, t- every time that I walk into our office, I find myself going, all right. So this is a this is a zone I like to be in. Oh
1: yeah, completely. You know, I mean, it, it is such a joyful place to be at, and and I greatly appreciate that. By the yeah, way. Yeah,
0: it's it's a so that environment that's that's an achievable thing for you, but that's a separate issue. We're we're back to this advice for launching you financially, and the first thing we talked about is. Uh,
1: So what happens if you're not teaching your children about money?
0: Okay, well, you know, I'm giving the recap, right? Right. So you're just joining us. First of all, catch the podcast if you're just now tuning in because this one's going to give you some pretty good groundwork. Uh, And and we've talked about uh, number one chunk of advice I'd offer is don't take out a loan that doesn't have collateral. And really, I would say just take out a loan for a home. That's really it. Uh, Sometimes a car is necessary. This is a weird one because you get into environments like rural America and there are and, and you know, we're, we're based in rural America.
1: right? right? That's yeah, where we are. A so lack we're, of we're in rural systems. America. And so
0: we the, you don't ha, not have a real robust public transportation right. system. And sometimes the flexibility and not only that, but the, the weather, the unpredictability of the weather. It's not real practical to always take a bike or to always take public well, and transit.
1: Sometimes it's the topography. Oh yeah, it's there's like, a
0: bunch of hills and yeah, valleys. I mean and, it's
1: not flat, so riding up and down hills all the time yeah. is so
0: not so, easy. So, so bottom line is that we're that the there's still a need for transportation, and I always say this is an, a use asset, meaning uh, the having reliable transportation enables you to earn more than what it costs to pay for the transportation. So right. it's a net positive gain to have that. Uh, if, if it enables you to get a, a better job. So I, I call that a use asset. But even still, the big mistake that people make all the time is they want to show off in their car. It is a status symbol with which they will pay way too much for.
1: So the one thing that I did learn teaching Financial Peace University, one of the things that stuck out to me from Dave Ramsey was that um, most vehicles lose over 60% of their value in the first four years. Mm-hmm. So he pretty much said, like, most self-made millionaires, you know, like the millionaire next door kind of guy drives a used car for that reason. Like they just don't go pay new car prices. Yeah. Um, and it's, and I bought a, a new to me car. <laughs> I like that word, new to me. Um,
0: Remember, everybody drives a used car.
1: Right. Yeah. It's used the minute you drive it off the lot. But I bought a new to me car and I love my car. And it was six years old when I bought it. So. Yeah.
0: Well, Katie, you've known me for a, a while now. Yeah. I, I haven't since seen you ever buy a new 2000- car. No, I, I don't buy new cars.
1: Have you ever owned a new car? No. See, I've actually owned a new car, and I've seen how much I've paid for it and how much it's gone down in value when I went to resell it, and I just don't want to live that again. So yeah. that was one of my fall-forward mistakes as a young person, like, oh, I get this new flashy car. Yep.
0: Yeah, no. Nope. I've never I've never owned a new car. I've owned newer cars. I've owned luxury cars, and I've owned, I still own, it's no longer new, but a, a luxury SUV. Yeah. Uh, and it is a workhorse for us. Right. But, uh, oh, it's a pretty I,
1: workhorse, though. Sure,
0: it's a pretty workhorse. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, it's, but that's also something that, but those are things this, I think
1: that the kids pick up from their parents. Yeah. If so, their parents are always driving brand new cars, then they think they need a brand new car. Yeah. I,
0: one thing that I think we've modeled for our kids, I think that you see this in the office, the way we make decisions, uh, and, and we're really deliberate about things and and where the, this is going to be really important because we want to talk about what's the, what's this message about you know if you're not teaching your kids what happens well the the next lesson i would offer to, to kids is you know first don't don't take out a loan on anything besides a house and that's going to take you a long way you know even a car if you can save up and get something inexpensive and then save up again and trade yeah, it in for something upgrading. nicer that you're you're far better off uh it, but just the 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 simple concept of understand the difference between wants and needs and delay gratification okay do you know what that katie you know what that means will you please translate this into like (laughs) real life real speak what am i saying
1: so delayed gratification right is knowing that you want something so let's talk about this car right like so there's a car that you want that's eight thousand dollars instead of getting a loan and going oh well i'll just worry about the payments later but yet owing way more because of interest you say okay i know that i can save five hundred dollars a month and i'm going to save the five hundred dollars a month until i get my eight thousand dollars so it may take me a while to do that but then when i have my eight thousand dollars then i go buy my car so it's not about what i want today it's about saving for the future
0: gratification remember Uh, that's like the idea of you're you're sort of satisfying what you're looking for. I want to be gratified in my purchase, but delaying that means I will wait to get the satisfaction on that purchase. And that's what we're talking about is people that want things now invariably pay too much for it and end up uh, more often than not Regretting the decision, yeah, creating creating a financial hardship because, and and I got to tell you something, this, you know, people will do things like, well, I had to because they'll have a medical event or something like that, right? That you may actually find yourself in the situation where that's true, but I will challenge you in this: what were all of the decisions that you were making before that event occurred that led you into the situation where? I had no savings of any kind and then I had a medical emergency and I put it on a credit card. Or I had no savings of any kind, I was making car payments but I didn't have a warranty on my vehicle and I had something break and now I had an emergency repair for my car. What I will tell you is sh- you show me the decisions you've made and then you know, I will decide what level of tragedy is going on here (laughs) you know you are a graduate you have zero savings you get your first job and two weeks into it you have appendicitis and end up in the hospital i'm like that is a genuine stroke of bad luck and that could really put somebody behind the power curve but it's not insurmountable and i know because
1: you just pick appendicitis all the time cuz that's what you got
0: i was that guy <laughs> that's yeah. totally
1: what you got I, well i you know and i
0: literally did you know when i moved cross country and of course i wasn't brand new teenager but i was you know 25 years old single guy living eh, on you're my still own shiny, no family new work around. workforce <laughs> and i had the you know i had incurred the costs of my move which uh was you know fairly significant and i had paid for it you know along the way and i was but it was one of those where well i was taking a job so i paid to move here because it was a better job but it was you know i had no significant savings at all at that point i mean i was well, how old was i was i was 22.
1: you said 25.
0: yeah i was 22. It's and medical
1: medical things aside which those are very hard to plan for, right maybe And I it's'
0: tw- or 23 I was young and and then you're this in your happened. early 20s And bottom line is that it is a recoverable event right. right so but I'm not trying to compare tragedies. I'm trying to frame for you that I had to make a lot of bummer choices. you know I had medical debt that I was paying because of this appendectomy and I had uh, you know I had a job. I was going to work and I was doing what I had to do. But when the, the buddies wanted to go off to the bar and drink or whatever, that wasn't happening for so me. So
1: I want to flip the script a little bit. So we've been talking about what not to do. But let's tell people what some of the things they can do, right? Because people are going, great. Well, you gave me all the list of don'ts. Perfect. But how do I, how do I, what do I do as the do's? What can I do with my children to teach them? Like, what are the, the things that I can I say to exactly them to sound smart? exactly what you
0: can do. But we have to do our last break.
1: Oh, there you go, folks. You gotta stay tuned. We'll
0: take the last break, and then Katie's gonna give you some seriously (laughs) good ground rules for teaching their kids. Cliff Notes version. All right, what do we do next? We'll tell you when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. Yeah, true wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at four on News Radio twelve forty KQEN. Hey gang, welcome back to the True Well Show. Uh, we're talking shop about today. It's about the kids.
1: It's about the kids. Well, and well, about the it's teens. really about the young, young adults, adults, right? Young adults.
0: Here we are launching everybody going into graduation weekend coming up, and with the the parties and the cards and the. Uh, junk food and all that stuff that comes with it so uh you know katie you were you were getting into this uh and a reminder if you're just joining us uh check out the podcast it's available at littlejohnfs.com i know we host it on blueberry you can get on itunes it's all over the place but uh look for true wealth right look up the true wealth radio show and uh, you can catch the podcast so you wanted to give some advice to parents what can they do as far as helping their kids get launched here so
1: (laughs) there's a couple things that i think are really important right Mm -hmm. one of them as silly as it is is grocery shopping like there are many young adults who have never done the grocery shopping like they have no idea what to buy at the grocery store how much things should cost so doing things um like giving them a grocery list and then giving them a set amount of money and letting them go grocery shopping and almost to the extent where you give them a list that's slightly bigger than the money they have so that they have to figure out priorities what's important do i buy the generic or the name brand? intentional
0: sabotage i like it but (laughs)
1: not a lot but like a little right like maybe within ten dollars of it where it's like oh do i get the generic peanut butter or do i get the brand name peanut butter and like simple things so that kids understand like these are real things that adults have to go to, right? Like I have a set amount for my food budget, so what do I have to do? The other thing is meal planning, right? Like have them actually cook a meal or two every week this
0: is your adulting concept right right this is what you're saying is there should be an adulting class yeah
1: like i mean if you can't make a piece of toast or boil water for ramen like your child is gonna have a very hard time in college right and i mean they can be quick and easy meals but give them a couple recipes see if they can follow a recipe and the other thing you can do too is sign them up for a cooking class Like if they're really struggling in the kitchen and maybe the kitchen is not your forte, find somebody that you know that you think is a great cook and have them go over to their house and cook with them a little bit. It doesn't have to cost you a lot. But I'm amazed at how many kids don't know how to peel a potato, right? Or um, how to make some simple dishes. It it just, it's amazing to me. So I think those are simple things that we can do. The other one is laundry. Can I tell you how many uh, young adults where their mommies are still doing their laundry? Like and it's and you laugh. It's a real thing. I mean, people coming home from college every weekend so mommy can wash their laundry because they don't know how. So teach your kids the difference between laundry detergent and fabric softener and bleach (laughs) and where they go and when and how to actually wash their laundry. Um, It's always amazing to me when people go, oh, I washed my laundry and everything got thrown into the same load. Right. So whites are no longer white. They're kind of off gray (laughs) and there's always a pink shirt somewhere. And these are life lessons that you learn as adults, but your child should be able to go off to college knowing how to do a load of laundry.
0: I love this because it's really true wealthy right now. We're it's, like, we're we're outside of the financial guidance of like, don't take out a stupid loan. Yeah, no, we're in the like say, basic adult skills. Yeah, <laughs> I will tell you uh, things like, okay, don't go spend so don't go get a college degree that's so expensive that you can't afford the loan payments that from the job you're going to get okay there's one that's like oh yeah you know i went out and got a degree in you know the philosophy of middle eastern art from the 1500s to 1700s and then all it qualifies me to do is work at starbucks and i can't afford my loan payment okay dumb move
1: right and when you so, say loan payment you mean student loan payment student loan let's payment let's clarify that
0: right Uh, Yeah, so
1: have a talk with your child about not only what major they're thinking about, but what careers are attached to those majors. And actually just Google what the average person makes in that career, Yeah. right? Because that makes a big difference too. Like if kids think, oh, I'm going to get out and I'm going to make all this. What does all this money mean to them? Like how Mm -hmm. much a year are they thinking that actually means? And what does that afford you at that pay level?
0: Other advice I would offer, how about even with a debit card, keep a check register right for a period of time until you learn better you know and guess what you can keep an electronic check register. you could you could actually keep it on your smartphone so it's with you all the time and track how much money you actually have right so that's another one because you do not want to pay the stupid tax of oh bank fees for overdrafts and other knucklehead moves. it is just there's a reason banks got so big and it wasn't because all of their customers were so brilliant and they were so benevolent.
1: No, they make over 60 billion dollars a year in bank fees. Yeah. Like bank fees are a real thing. So, yeah. yeah. Ha- so, have them pay attention to that. So
0: you yeah, folks, you just we need to teach our kids about these basics, okay? And here's the other one. Okay, this is the the old commercial about uh well, you know, I you know if if you did drugs some time in the past you can't talk to your kid about it because you're a hypocrite. Nope, you're a parent. Okay? Yeah, and that's so when the hey, That's that's learn called get over me. it. <laughs> yeah, your experience is now a teacher for your children and if you will if you're going to try to be their friend instead of their teacher right now, you're doing them a terrible disservice. Right. Cuz now here's the the last thing that I would bring up and this is because you know it turns out we we're an investment Firm, <laughs> we are an investment firm that has radio personalities. We try to give you know really general th- thoughts and not specific advice on the show because of the nature of what it means to be a professional investment advisor. Right, okay. yeah. so, we, we play so, by so different rules than the average. Yeah, population. so we don't make specific recommendations, but this is one of these where I can make a specific recommendation and put my neck out there, and I don't think that there's any kind of blowback that can be negative and that is when it comes to saving for your future start early and often yeah okay uh whether it is simply savings or what we believe that everybody should learn about the fundamentals of investing and what that looks like long term
1: show your kid a compound calc like compound compound interest interest calculator it is
0: real if you if you could earn 12 percent per year you double your money if you're not paying taxes on it approximately every six years Okay, So a dollar becomes $2, becomes $4, becomes $8, becomes $16. Every six years, that doubles. Imagine if you're putting $100 a month in, how that starts to look, where six years from now, that $100 becomes $200, but every month the following $100 is doubling each month thereafter. Yeah, You can start a chain reaction that becomes a tremendous amount of wealth, but it helps the sooner you start. And you You go ask somebody that's, Over 50 that hasn't started investing and they're trying to catch up now that they wish somebody would have caught them when they were 20.
1: I think I wish. I mean, I had an investment advisor and I don't think they were very clear on explaining to me why it was important. Right. Right. So, and so it's, it's explaining the importance. But I love the calculators. I think the cal- and show them a mortgage calculator, too. I think sometimes that helps. Yeah, so get on there. Really we have calculators like that on our website, too, at littlejohnfs.com. That's
0: it. Well, look, we're out of time. So the takeaway of the day is teach your kids. Don't be scared. And uh, remember, invest early and often. And if you need help with that, give us a shout at
1: five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight.
0: Otherwise, thanks as always for joining us, Katie. Thank you as well. Thanks for having me. Until next time, this is David Littlejohn and Katie Shuck. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio twelve forty KQEN.